Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of Sisters on Air on the Voice of Islam Radio, a women's show where we explore a variety of topics relating to women in religion and society. In today's episode, we'll be hearing the unique reflections and perspectives of Muslim women on a range of personal, social and political topics, including religion, mental health, personal growth, wellness, fitness and nutrition. I'm your host, Khulu Tahir, a medical student studying in London, and I'm joined today by Samra Malik, who is a recent graduate of biological sciences and an avid sports person, and Tuba Noor, who is a practical research scientist. Welcome to the show both. It's great to have you here. Thank you for joining and offering to share your reflections and perspectives. Welcome, Salam. Welcome, Salam. So, it's often said that back in the days, life was simpler and much more peaceful. People in the past lived in smaller, more isolated communities, and news and information travelled slowly, taking days or even weeks to travel from one part of the country to another. Today, we live in a world that is more interconnected than ever before. Thanks to technology, we receive news and notifications from all over the world at lightning speed on our very own personal gadgets and devices in our pockets. While this can be a great thing in many ways, it can also be overwhelming. With so much information coming at us all the time, it's easy to feel like we can never fully switch off or relax. When this is ongoing and long-lasting, it can also have a significant impact on our health. Our bodies can become overloaded with stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline, and this can result in a plethora of consequences. I personally know many people who described feeling like this at many instances in recent years and even when I'm at hospital or at my GP placement and when I talk to patients, many describe struggling with their mental health and coping with the current times and pressures. There's no doubt that the past few years have been a roller coaster ride for many. With the aftermath of the COVID-19 pandemic, the political climate in the UK, the cost of living crisis, the change in monarchy and more, I'm sure many of us feel like we can hardly catch our breath before the next twist or turn comes along. Today, we'll be reflecting on these recent events and many more, and also looking forward to what's ahead. So let's get straight into it. Um, Samra, if we start with you, could you tell us a bit about yourself and a bit about your background? So I'm Samra and I recently graduated with a degree in biological sciences and I hope to start a finance role at Sky soon. I'm very much into playing and watching a range of different sports. That is so cool. Thank you for being with us today. Tuba um, Noor, I'd like to come to you now. Can you share with us a little bit about your background and what you've been up to in recent years? Um, so my name is Tuba Noor and I recently completed my biomedical sciences degree and I'm now a practicing genetic uh, research scientist. Nice. Thank you so much for coming in Tuba and I'm really looking forward to hearing your insights today. So I've got a lot of interesting questions and um, I'll be asking you both those in a moment. But I thought let's start off our discussion by delving into the importance of taking a pause and self-reflection, especially during times of overwhelming stress and pressure. 
I think both of you and many of our listeners may be able to relate to this. But when we're constantly on the go and pushing ourselves to our limits, it's very easy to sort of lose sight of what truly matters in our lives and neglect our needs and values. By taking that step back and engaging in self-reflection, it is then when we can gain a deeper understanding of our emotions, thoughts and behaviours and make more intentional and informed decisions about how we want to move forward. Self-reflection can also help us to identify and address any negative patterns or habits that may be contributing to our feelings of overwhelm and allow us to make changes that promote greater balance, resilience and inner peace. And this is something that faith really helps with as well and in fact also places great emphasis on. In Islam, there is a great emphasis on self-reflection and self-improvement as a means of attaining spiritual growth and becoming closer to God. Self-reflection is considered a fundamental part of a believer's personal and spiritual development as it helps one to become aware of one's thoughts, actions and behaviours and identify areas for improvement. Um, in this regard, the Qur'an, the holy book for Muslims, frequently encourages Muslims to reflect on their own lives, to contemplate their own actions and to seek guidance from God. For example, a verse of the Qur'an even speaks of guarding oneself concerning love of near and dear ones and states, and I quote, O ye who believe, surely among your wives and your children are some that are really your enemies, so beware of them. And if you overlook and forgive and pardon, then surely Allah is most forgiving and merciful. End quote. So this is from chapter 64, verse 15. And this verse highlights the importance of self-reflection and forgiveness as a means of attaining God's mercy. Islam also encourages Muslims to engage in self-reflection through acts of worship, such as prayer, fasting and um, reading the Quran. And through these acts, Muslims are able to reflect on their own lives and to seek guidance and direction from God. Additionally, Ramzan, the Islamic month of fasting, is a time when Muslims are encouraged to engage in heightened self-reflection as they abstain from food and drink during the daylight hours and spend more time in prayer and contemplation. Duba, I'd like to hear your perspective as a Muslim woman who practices these teachings. Could I ask, what role does self-reflection play in your life and why is it important to you? And I was just wondering, how do you incorporate self-reflection into your routine as a Muslim woman? Uh, do you have sort of techniques or strategies? And what impact does this all have on your life? Um, I think for me, self-reflection is one of the most important faculties that Allah has given humans, and it actually sets us apart from other creations. Um, this ability to reflect on our own desires and feelings and actions is actually a gift. Um, there's a difference between doing self-reflection and self-criticism, though. You need to draw the line where you tell yourself that, yes, this, is, this was my action, and this is what I learned from it, but one shouldn't blame oneself too harshly or critically for long periods of time but instead it's always good to reach a conclusion and find solutions to do better next time the human experience revolves around change and evolution as long as it's in the best direction then you're achieving the ideal goal of self-reflection 
Um, the way self-reflection plays into my life is pretty straightforward, I think. I'm not a perfect person, far from it. And for me, every moment is a moment of learning. As long as you're learning, you're also improving. You don't even register that half the time. But you should always um, have that willingness to learn and recognize your own weaknesses. Um, in the tasks of daily life, you should take a moment and step back to see if we're doing the best thing, not just for ourselves, but for others too. I think we have so much anger and hurt in the society at the moment because um, we often focus on what the authorities should do for the people, but communities and people at the grassroots need to come out and help each other too. That's where self-reflection comes in. If you feel like you've wronged someone, you can always change that and rectify that action. In Surah Al-Baqarah, verse 285 of Holy Quran, um, Allah says, and I quote, To Allah belongs whatever is in the heavens and whatever is in the earth. And whether you disclose that is in your mind or keep it hidden, Allah will call you to account for it. Then will he forgive whomsoever he pleases, and Allah has power to do all that he wills. End quote. So... If we are to truly become reformed, we need to keep an eye on ourselves at all times, but we can't really judge others because only God knows the true states of the hearts. So as a practicing Muslim, for me, self-reflection is tied into self-reformation. So the ultimate goal for me is to always strive for that purpose we've all been created for to adhere to the teachings that Allah the Almighty wants us to follow, to believe in Him and accept His teachings is the ultimate goal for us. Um, I think when I put that in front of myself daily, that really helps. I think it's a continuous and ongoing process. You need to put um, effort into all of that. I can speak for myself when I say that yes, there are many, many distractions around us, but as long as you're always making an effort to steer yourself to the right path, Allah ultimately helps you in the mysterious and beautiful ways, and that's all you really need. Allah the Almighty states in the Holy Quran that, and I quote, save yourselves and your family from a fire, end quote, um, chapter 66, verse 7. So not only should we self-reflect, but encourage our close ones to do the same and always help each other in the path of righteousness. I think the words of the promised Messiah, Mirza Ghulam Muhammad, peace be upon him, really shed a beautiful light on this topic. He said that, True spiritual insight is in considering oneself to be completely worthless and falling down on the threshold of God and to see God's grace and that spiritual light which burns selfish desires. Once a person gets a measure of God's grace and at times has conviction of heart, then he or she must not feel arrogant about it. Rather, his or her humility and humbleness should increase. The more a person considers himself or herself to be insignificant, the greater will the lights that descend on him or her. Abiding by his creed, it is hope that one's moral condition becomes fine. It is arrogance to consider oneself to be someone in the world, and it leads to treating others with contempt. So, ultimately, we all need to self-reflect and try to follow this beautiful guidance. Thank you, Tova, and for sharing those powerful words from the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, the sort of idea of considering oneself to be completely worthless mm -hmm. and seeking God's grace is a profound perspective and reminds us of the importance of humility. Thank you so much. 
Um, so at this point, there's actually a quote from um, one of His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmed, may Allah be his helper's Friday sermons from June 2015, which also discusses the topic. Um, I just want to share that. He stated that the promised Messiah on whom be peace, founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, said that people of our community should not limit themselves to discussions and debates as they are not the real objective. He said purification of the self and reformation are essential and were the purposes for which God had sent the promised Messiah, peace be upon him. He wanted practices of the community to change. By saying not to limit ourselves to discussions and debates, he meant not to confine ourselves to words and perhaps change our stance to suit ourselves and not able to uphold good moral standards. He wanted Ahmadis to make purification of self a constant part of our lives in order to fulfil the dues of Bet, the Pledge of Allegiance. Ahmadis should remember that in order to fulfil the dues of the bet, the pledge, we have to keep God's commandments in view and put them in practice. We should ever be mindful to have God's pleasure in view. End quote. So I wanted to share that quote as I think it really encapsulates um, the importance of self-reflection in Islam and is similar to what um, you were talking about, Duba. Thank you so much. No worries. So I know I mentioned this earlier, but the last couple of years truly have been so crazy, haven't they? Um, I'm sure there will be many history books written about them. Um, let's have a think. So from 2019 to now, I'd say there have just been so many events that have impacted the world on a global and personal level. Um, the COVID-19 pandemic being a main one, which caused so much widespread illness, death and economic hardship. Um, despite the introduction of several vaccines, many countries struggled to contain the virus and it led to further restrictions and lockdowns. For example, India, Brazil and the United States were among the countries with the highest number of cases and deaths throughout the year. Um, meanwhile, nations such as New Zealand, Vietnam and Japan, they were hailed as examples for their successful handling of the pandemic and were able to lift restrictions and return to a sense of normality sooner than others. So remember lockdown <laughs> could you share with our listeners what your experience of the COVID-19 pandemic was um, how did it impact you as a Muslim woman on a personal level but also like a broader context and what were your sort of main lessons that you gained from the experience yeah I think as a Muslim woman um, COVID certainly reminded me of Allah's power the whole world was you know on standstill because of a disease and as humans it, it highlighted just how vulnerable and powerless we were in one of his addresses a year or so ago his his holiness Mirza Masoor Ahmed current worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community may Allah be his helper mentioned the desperate state global peace is in and he also alluded to the pandemic and he stated I quote no one is paying heed to this warning of Allah the Almighty and should this same attitude continue to be displayed by people and nations, the ramifications will be incredibly perilous, end quote. I think I remember listening to this and instantly sending shivers down my spine. You know, in Islamic history, we hear about many warnings that Allah the Almighty sends to people, and one of them being the story of Hazrat Lut, peace be upon him, whom gave multiple warnings to the immoral people, and despite this, they continued in their sins until a punishment was sent. 
and it's stated in the Holy Quran, and I quote, So they declared him to be a liar. Then the punishment of the day of overshadowing gloom overtook them. That was indeed the punishment of a dreadful day. Chapter 26, verse 181. So I think pondering over this, the dangerous geopolitical situation in the world and COVID actually helped to strengthen my Iman. It gave me a chance to self-reflect and it was almost like a wake-up call. And it sort of highlighted to me just how temporary this world really is. Uh, When COVID first became known, I was actually in my first year of uni. So it was such a daunting period for everyone with the lockdown looming, hand sanitizers and toilet roll shortages and, you know, just pure chaos. So I think for me personally, it was especially scary. You know, I was living away from home and, and this was a phenomenon I'd never experienced before, let alone like living away. Um, life really you know turned around and daily grocery trips were suddenly replaced with checking if any sanitizing items had been restocked and to me this always occurred in movies especially (laughs) hearing about how coronavirus originated to think that it was now a reality was mind-blowing so I'd just gotten used to attending lectures, seminars, tutorials, basically uni life as, as a whole and creating routine for myself. And suddenly, because of COVID, of course, this all came to a halt. <laughs> Everything was now online. Mm. And suddenly, you know, Teams was our new classroom, which before COVID started, I wasn't even aware of uh, micro- that Microsoft Teams existed. And you know, I still have trust issues with the mute button. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can all relate. <laughs> yeah. But... Um, The majority were now working online from home, but excluding, of course, the crucial key workers whom we can never thank enough for the immense duty they carried out to save lives and serve humanity. And one of those key workers was my mum, who worked in the hospital for seven days a week on the front line and by the grace of Allah was able to remain COVID free. I think, you know, for me, witnessing firsthand the sheer magnitude of struggle that key workers had to go through during the pandemic highlighted just how serious and deadly this disease really was. My mum would, you know, come home with countless heart-wrenching stories about COVID, from patients having to die alone due to restrictions, to funerals being held virtually, along with the huge pressures of cases each day, and not enough space in the hospital. The list goes on. So being at home all of a sudden also made me realise just how hectic our lives really are, constantly on the go and how little time we actually take for ourselves. You know, working five days a week to just having two days at the weekend, which fly by. (laughs) Family time is super important. And whilst we all love to spend time with our family, it's never enough time with everyone's busy schedules. I think COVID gave everyone a chance to have much needed family time, you know, brought them closer especially for me being away from home at uni it it gave me the opportunity to spend lots of quality time which was which was really good Um, I think also not being able to go to the mosque had a massive impact it's such a huge part of everyone's life and not being able to go and pray behind our beloved imam his holiness Mirza Masrur Ahmed may Allah be his helper you know took a toll but MTA our community's satellite channel kept us well connected and we were still able to listen to his holiness's Friday sermons and watch faith inspiring shows and in an address given by his holiness Mirza Masrur Ahmed may Allah be his helper 
In January 2021, he stated, and I quote, In the past year, we have been facing an extremely dangerous, virulent disease. No country of the world is free from the pandemic, and it has affected some more than others. However, it seems that the majority of the world does not wish to consider the possibility that this pandemic may be a sign from Allah, the Almighty, about how we must fulfill our obligations and responsibilities. They do not wish to consider that Allah the Almighty may be trying to awaken us, to guide us and make us realise our duties. End quote. There are such powerful words given by His Holiness there, reminding us to constantly self-reform and of our purpose. And the COVID pandemic was definitely a motivator to do so. Thank you so much for your answers, Omra, and for sharing that personable account of your uni experience during COVID-19 and about your mum's experience as a key worker. Um, indeed, like you said, His Holiness's addresses and wisdom was a guiding light for many during those difficult times. So thank you. No <laughs> so speaking of global events, after the pandemic, the first Football World Cup took place in Qatar, which brought together many nations fostering a sense of camaraderie and goodwill on a global scale. Another key global theme in recent years has been the emphasis on climate change and environmental issues. Over the years, the world has been witnessing deteriorating weather conditions, including droughts, heat waves, natural disasters and mass migrations due to the effects of global warming, such as sea, lives ri sea levels rising and ice caps melting. In response, many nations have committed to reducing their carbon footprint and transitioning to more sustainable practices, including the increased use of renewable energy sources and the implementation of new technologies and innovations to help combat climate change. For example, the European Union introduced its new carbon tax in January 2022, aimed at reducing carbon emissions and mitigating the effects of climate change. The United Nations Climate Conference, held in December 2022 in Morocco, brought together representatives from around the world to discuss the pressing issues of climate change and the measures needed to address them. This is indeed something also um, that His Holiness Mirza Masroor Ahmed, may Allah be his helper, has been drawing special attention to, as demonstrated in the following account from one of his audiences with a group of life devotees of Indonesia in 2021. So a young man said to His Holiness that the impact of climate change is felt and seen throughout the world and was getting severe. He asked for His Holiness's guidance regarding the climate um, situation and how one should try to address the issue. And answering the question, His Holiness said, and I quote, the climate change problem is an issue everywhere across the world, especially in the developing countries where the population is increasing in numbers without any proportion. Just to accommodate this population, residential areas are being increased and because of increasing residential areas, forests are also being cut down. This deforestation is also causing climate change. Whenever any tree is cut, you should plant two to replace it. 
Um, and His Holiness also added that fuel consumption should also be reduced. We, as in mankind, have become so lazy that if we want to go from one place to another and the distance is only, um, say, 100 or 200 yards, instead of walking, we take our motorbike or car to go to that place. In this way, you are polluting the atmosphere and there are so many other factors which are also causing pollution and climate change, end quote. So this is also reflective of the efforts of Lejna Imaida, the Ahmadiyya Muslim Women's Auxiliary Organization, who under the guidance of His Holiness, pledged to plant 100,000 trees across the UK to celebrate their 100-year anniversary and have been working super hard towards their goal. Dulba, did you take part in that? Um, what has been sort of your experience of all of this? and? Mm-hmm. Um, what have you sort of gained from um, taking part in it? And mm-hmm. what are what are the sort of Islamic teachings regarding sustainability and environmentalism? Um, could you share with us? Uh, yeah, it was wonderful. I remember that I went with my fellow Lajna ladies and I saw the passion of so many women and even young girls to do a beautiful deed and give something back to nature. It was also um, a wonderful way to reach out to others, I think, and bond. And that's the essence of a healthy life. For me, the reasons of participation were twofold. I've always believed in the sanctity of nature and Allah has created all this for us and we shouldn't take it for granted, you know. I think it's our responsibility to take care of it as much as we can. We all know that the benefits of planting trees are endless. You're not only helping yourself but also creating an intricate habitat for so many other living organisms so this is clearly reflected in the teachings of islam the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him is recorded as saying never does a muslim plant trees or cultivate land and birds or men or bees eat out of them but that is a charity on his behalf Similarly, there is a tradition in which Hazrat Umar, may Allah be pleased with him, is seen advising an old man who had seized his job of planting trees as his death was imminent. He told the old man that he should continue to plant trees till the end of his time because although he himself will not reap the, the fruits of his hard labor, but his children will. So one should strive to gain worldly good, not for uh, only himself, but also for the betterment of one's children so that the children do not suffer and stray away from God due to worldly difficulties. So everything is intricately connected and Allah has given instructions to us accordingly. So for the hundred years of Lajna, so many women came together to plant trees in different parts of the UK. And also, in my opinion, I think it's very beautiful that when the head of Amdiya Muslim community, His Holiness Mirza Masri Ahmed, inaugurates a new mosque or a building, he also plants a tree. And that's a very powerful symbol. Mm-hmm. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing those beautiful teachings. Mm-hmm. Um, it amazes me, you know, how Islam doesn't only emphasize personal self-improvement, like we were talking about earlier, yeah. but also looks out for all in society, including other humans, wildlife, mm-hmm. habitats, the whole ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So cool. <laughs> 
So speaking of the broader societal landscape, um, politics has been a prominent arena that has witnessed significant developments in recent times. How many prime ministers have changed? So I lost no count. <laughs> so um, the past few years has seen rising tensions between different nations as disputes over trade, technology and territorial claims put a strain on international relationships and the rise of nationalism and populism also led to political and social divisions as people sought to protect their cultural identities and way of life. For instance, tensions between the United States and China escalated over the issue of technology and intellectual property, leading to increased tariffs and trade restrictions between the two countries. Meanwhile, the Middle East witnessed an upsurge in conflict as tensions between Iran and Saudi Arabia boiled over into armed conflict in Yemen, um, leading to widespread devastation and displacement of civilians. Despite these challenges, there were also other positive developments in international relations, such as the formation of new alliances and cooperation agreements between countries, such as the new Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Agreement, signed in November 2022. Um, In the UK, the cost of living crisis has been a growing concern in recent years, with the rising cost of housing, utilities and food putting a strain on families and individuals across the country. And this has been compounded by stagnant wage growth and and an increasing wealth gap, leading to a situation where many people are struggling to make ends meet. The aftermath of the COVID-19 pandemic has further exacerbated this issue, with many people losing their jobs or experiencing reduced income. The high cost of living has also led to an increase in poverty, homelessness and food insecurity, particularly among vulnerable populations such as children and the elderly. While the government has introduced measures such as minimum wage increases and welfare support, many argue that more needs to be done to address this crisis and ensure that everyone in the UK has access to a decent standard of living. The UK, like we mentioned, has also seen recent significant leadership changes, including that of having three prime ministers in (laughs) rapid succession, and also of the passing away and end of the long reign of Queen Elizabeth II and the start of the era of King Charles III. In February 2022, the country held joyous celebrations to mark the Platinum Jubilee of Queen Elizabeth II, marking 70 years of her reign as the monarch of the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth realms. Streets were filled with public gatherings and buildings and landmarks were illuminated in red, white and blue, playing tribute to the Queen's reign. Um, Following on from that on September the 8th, um, the world was met with the sad news of the passing of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, which was met with widespread sadness as people across the world paid their respects to the Queen and her legacy. The world mourned the loss of a leader who had been a symbol of stability and continuity for more than seven decades. Following the death of Queen Elizabeth II, Prince Charles ascended the throne and became King Charles III. And the new king brings with him a wealth of experience and a deep understanding of the responsibilities that come with his position. And the world watches with interest as he takes his first steps in his new role as the King of the United Kingdom. Let's take a short break here. You've been listening to the Sisters on Air programme on the Voice of Islam radio.
The Holy Prophet of Islam, peace and blessings of Allah be on him, said, Whoever relieves a believer of his worries in this world will have his afflictions removed by Allah on the Day of Judgment. You're listening to The Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Sisters on Air on The Voice of Islam Radio. Before the break, we were talking about the recent social and political climate in the UK. Recently, we've also been witnessing various sectors of the United Kingdom workforce striking, including teachers, rail workers, postal workers, civil servants and various healthcare professionals such as paramedics, nurses and junior doctors. Unfortunately, since many years now, the National Health Service in the United Kingdom, the NHS, has been facing a crisis due to a combination of factors. One of the key issues is the lack of funding, resulting in longer wait times for appointments, surgeries and other procedures. The COVID-19 pandemic has further exacerbated these issues, with hospitals and medical staff stretched thin due to increased demand for services. Additionally, there has been a shortage of doctors and nurses, with many leaving the NHS due to long hours, low pay and high levels of stress. This has resulted in a significant strain on the system, with patients suffering as a result. The NHS crisis has been a major political issue in the United Kingdom, with calls for increased funding and better working conditions for medical staff, which they are trying to achieve with the strikes. While some progress has been made, many argue that more needs to be done to address this ongoing crisis, to protect workers and ensure that patients receive the quality of care they need and deserve. Samra, can you share your experiences of living under the social and political climate I've just described and your insights on engaging with these issues on a personal level and on a broader context? And what does your identity as a Muslim woman play in this? Yeah, I think commenting on um, the cost of living crisis, personally, in my family, uh, we've had to make compromises. Our bills have doubled and are further on the increase. And I think it's all about working together and discussing these things as a family. You know, we regularly discuss the cost of different things and my parents have always emphasised the value of money to us from a young age. In this climate, I think relying solely on one person is far too difficult and sharing the cost of bills, mortgages, you know, etc. significantly helps and reduces the burden. Alhamdulillah, I'm blessed um, that my family are still able to experience relative comforts, you know, which millions of individuals aren't able to. It's it's really sad to see just how many families are struggling to make ends meet, you know, with 24 million people reducing energy use in their home and 16 million cutting back on food and essentials. The need for food banks has significantly increased with the Trussell Trust, for example, reporting food banks being at breaking point due to the sheer volume of you know, individuals requiring support. It's a truly heartbreaking thing to hear. And as Muslims, particularly Ahmadi Muslims, it's part of our duty to serve the community in any way we can. Our women's 
Auxiliary Lajna Imaila have set targets to feed the homeless and support local women's shelters, ensuring that they play a role in aiding vulnerable individuals. And His Holiness Mirza Masoor Ahmed, may Allah be his helper, stressed the importance of helping others in one of his addresses, stating, and I quote, The Holy Quran states that the hallmark of a true Muslim is that he should care for all of God's creation and should comfort and support those in need, whether they seek their help or not. Hence, it is not enough for a Muslim to wait until someone asks for help. Rather, it is his duty to recognise the suffering of others and to make whatever sacrifices are required in order to help them overcome their challenges or troubles. I think going back to what I mentioned earlier, my mum was obviously a key worker during the pandemic and she endured a lot of issues at work, you know, working around the clock, tackling short staffing issues and constantly reaching full capacity due to patient overload. Recently, with nurses and junior doctors striking, it's created even further difficulties with many staff having to work overtime in order to ensure that patient care isn't you know, affected. Patients had to be transferred out of hospitals due to there just simply being no staff available for care. Of course, patients become agitated and you know they begin abusing staff. It's a vicious cycle which continues to occur and it's left many NHS workers mentally drained and burned out. It's quite sad to see a family member struggle and I think this problem certainly won't go away, unfortunately. In my view, staff aren't being given the value they deserve and fewer people are wanting to work for the NHS you know, amidst all this crisis and negotiations aren't proceeding either with further planned strike action. The government, I think, needs to play their part and tackle this crisis head on before any further damage. It's widely reported and acknowledged the NHS is already on the brink of collapse. Thank you, Sumra. And I completely understand your sentiments. Um, as a medical student myself, I've just finished my fourth year. Um, it really has been extremely difficult training under these conditions. But can I also tell you one thing? Um, the profession of medicine itself is that as healthcare professionals, we get our gratification from the impact we're creating and the lives we are changing. So regardless of the conditions you've, you've really accurately described, um, some of the most inspiring and heartwarming moments I've experienced were during those times. You know, the selflessness and the camaraderie and the servitude on the wards and how the world came together regardless of all differences to combat the virus. Um, and as Muslims, you know, the greatest reward for us is from God who sees all and knows all. And this is actually a huge motivator for me when I think about these things. Um, thank you once again again. So um, we're, we're nearing the end of our episode today, um, but I wanted to sort of finish off with two final questions from each of our guests. Um, this is the fun part. <laughs> uh, so Samra, um, I want to know, what is something that you found really challenging in the past few years and how have you overcome it? And um, I'd also love to hear about any of your sort of recent accomplishments and sort of key lessons um, you've learnt in the past few years. Yeah, so I think uh, for me, the main challenges I faced in the past few years was starting university and moving to a different city. And you know, although I was actually very blessed that I had close family in the city I moved to, I was also, and I'm, I myself was also born there. I, although I was very familiar with it, I, 
I came from a city where there were very few people of colour and my school was also the same. So moving to a city where it was entirely the opposite was a huge change. Um, yeah, although daunting, I think I made some amazing friends whom I'm super grateful for and I was able to fully learn about so many new cultures and I found I could truly be myself. I could resonate with people in a new aspect which I'd never experienced before. And meeting all kinds of people, I learned the types of people I got along with and most importantly to not change any part of who I am in order to get along with people. As a result, I found some people come and go, but staying true to yourself really is the best thing you could do for yourself, trusting that Allah will put those individuals who are worthy of your friendship. However, along came COVID. <laughs> Although it's sounding cliche and yeah, as I said earlier, COVID really did impact my time at uni. Yeah, I just acclimatised myself to this new environment, being in a different city and suddenly we were hit by this new deadly disease and into lockdown. And I struggled with online lectures. I wasn't able to to do a key aspect of my course, uh, that being labs. I felt as though I was missing out huge chunks of learning and I wasn't really able to engage with the content. All of my second year was online, along with everything being closed, not being able to see people. I think it was a really challenging year. However, I found you know regular FaceTimes with family and friends actually helped significantly, along with making the most of daily walks. I also went back to uni for a short period of time, spending time with all my flatmates, and it meant we could still experience some parts of uni together, we couldn't do much, but we, we still made countless memories. We were able to do mini study sessions, working together, and this played a huge factor for my success at uni. Naturally, not being able to regularly attend the mosque and face-to-face -face events did have an impact. I felt at times my iman was a bit low, uh, iman being faith. Uh, but for me, actually going to and experience things in person has much more of a lasting impact. And being used to doing this, I did struggle at times to find myself fully engaged. However, as I mentioned earlier, our Caliph, His Holiness Mirza Masood Ahmed, may Allah be his helper, continued to deliver us regular sermons and also held regular virtual meetings, along with the community holding regular virtual events to ensure we did remain connected. So recently I graduated, which is um, a huge accomplishment for me. As I've mentioned, COVID hindered much of my studies. But that being said, I was able to persevere and successfully graduate with a good degree and mark, which I was definitely pleased with. And there were countless times where I didn't think I'd be able to make it to the finish line, especially sat in the library and frantically trying to finish an assignment three hours before the deadline. <laughs> you know, the next challenge for me um, was what to do after uni. There were different career paths I was considering and it was, you could say, a challenging period. Safe to say I was confused with what would be best for me. And again, with COVID, the job market was the most volatile it, it had ever been. I prayed to Allah asking what was best for me. I felt as though at times I wasn't really getting anywhere, but I never stopped having trust in Allah. And Alhamdulillah, a, a job opportunity arose which I'd never in a million years have dreamed of. I was so sure that I'd messed up one of the tests when <laughs> applying. I, I was genuinely shocked when I, I heard that I was selected to attend their office for, uh, for, for assessments. And they took a few months to get back to me. And as you can imagine, I went through a whole rollercoaster of emotions oh. <laughs> waiting to hear back. Um, yeah. 
but at, at the same time I was applying to other jobs just in case they didn't say yes and again I never stopped praying and, and having that trust in Allah I knew Allah was listening to me and testing my patience and this in itself I think provided me with with so much peace and after a few months finally <laughs> they got back to me and alhamdulillah offered the job and Allah truly is the best disposer of affairs and, and seeing Allah's pl plan for me unfold in a beautiful manner, one which a year ago I, I genuinely would never have imagined, especially in that moment, I really felt my connection strengthen with Allah and, and knowing that Allah really responded to me and, and was there really did, you know. Yeah, it did have a lasting impact. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing. That was so amazing and so inspiring to hear. And congratulations on your new <laughs> job. Yeah. I feel like we need to have you back on the show to hear about <laughs> like how it's going for you, especially after <laughs> that journey of yeah, getting definitely. it. <laughs> um, Tuba, I'd like to ask you the same question. Um, tell us about any challenges and accomplishments of yours in the past few years and um, what are the things that you've learned about yourself? Um, yeah, so by the grace of God, I can't really begin to list the good things and the challenges I've overcome in the last few years. But uh, I think something that will be probably relevant to a lot of listeners is how I navigated the time of the pandemic. And that was a big uh, time of upheaval for most of us, like Samra said. Um, I personally completed my degree um, during that time too, and it felt very difficult at times due to multiple reasons. We were all, you know, restricted to a certain location, and I'm sure many other students struggled with that as well. I think navigating that time and finally coming to a place where I'm satisfied with work too is a big accomplishment for me personally. I think for me, the key is persistence, although for me, having urgent faith is a huge factor in everything. Um, it helps me navigate all the obstacles that come my way. When you have that sense of safety and a firm belief that a higher power of Allah is guiding you and protecting you, then you start seeing miracles in everything. Um, by the grace of God, I have seen that happen to me and I get overwhelmed every single time. When it comes to challenges, I think I... Um, always try to remember that trials and tribulations help us to change things for the better in the long run and build uh, our resilience. I think always having that perspective is very important, but I really look forward to working on my faith every day as I tackle all the other things in life. The words of the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, are always so inspiring. He explained in one of he explained in one instance, and I quote, uh, A true believer should not be saddened at times of tribulation. He is not greater than a prophet of God. Truth is that at times of difficulty, a fountainhead of love starts. True believer does not go through a difficulty which does not bring him thousands of kinds of pleasures. Beloveds of God Almighty do not face tribulations because of sin. Tribulations reveal accomplishments of true believers. Observe how the high morals of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, were demonstrated at painful times and in triumph. Had the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, not gone through tribulations, what could we now say about his high morals. No doubt, tribulations of true believers are seen as tribulations by others that true believers do not deem them as tribulations. It is important for man to stay firm on his sincere repentance and realize the repentance will give him a new lease of life. If you wish to experience the fruits of repentance, then realize your repentance with your practice. When a gardener sows a sapling, he waters it to make it grow. 
Likewise, faith is a sapling which is nurtured by practice. Therefore, practice is extremely important for faith. If there is no practice with faith, the sapling will wilt away and will be lifeless." End quote. Thank you for sharing that, Tuba. That's very thought-provoking. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you. So, uh, we're reaching the end of our episode, and just finally, I want to ask Sumra, what's next? What are you? What are you? What's coming up? What are your upcoming goals and aspirations? Um, what's What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I think um, all my life, you know, I've I've very much been into sports. You know, I watch and I play a range of different sports, and my family's really into sports. And, and physical exercise for me has been a huge aspect of my life growing up. I played hockey for the majority of my life. However, I stopped playing a few years ago when I felt as though I wasn't quite fitting in as much anymore. And and being a person of colour, let alone a Muslim girl, is very unheard of when playing hockey. Mm -hmm. And as I grew older, I felt as though I no longer fitted in. So as a result, I lost my passion for playing sport and I was scared of being judged and I certainly had a confidence knock. But recently, I, having grown as a person and in confidence, I started partaking in a range of sports once again. And I've learned that staying true to my values isn't a hindrance, but rather a protection. And linking back to what I said earlier about having faith in Allah, that you know, when you do something for Allah's sake, Allah will always reward you. Mm. And following on, yeah, I'd like to ensure I remain active in physical exercise and to not let my confidence waver or, or you know, to not let any judgments uh, get the better of me even if I am dressed differently and I look different that's my identity and I'm, I'm proud and along with that I'd also like to ensure I'm, I remain regular in attending the mosque I live around 45 minutes away from the nearest mosque making an effort to attend weekly praying behind our caliph his holiness Mizra Masrur Ahmed is a blessing which I forever cherish life can be extremely busy and you know covid certainly highlighted just how busy we all are every day so I'd like to ensure I remain active in attending the mosque regularly you know attaining the spiritual blessings and in addition, regularly attending events within the community, which Alhamdulillah I'm able to do. And I think a specific uh, goal of mine is to expand my religious knowledge. Now, although I watch programs on MTA, reading Islamic books is where you truly comprehend and, and engage your brain. So I think for me, it's about balancing my time. And all often, all too often, we think I'll do it tomorrow. And before we know, a year has gone by. So I think along with balancing it's about perseverance and remaining committed to what it is that you, you really want to do and I think you know, just finishing up I'm looking forward to starting my new career journey as a fresh graduate it's a very daunting prospect to <laughs> think about the world of work um, but I pray that I'm able to adapt and to most importantly enjoy my new chapter uh, ensuring I remain steadfast in my faith and I think of course to remember that our true purpose in this world is to worship our creator of course thank you Summer. I love that and I'm honestly wishing you all the best in all your future endeavours <laughs> sounds amazing uh, may God always be with you I mean Tuba, um, what about you? What's coming up and um, what are your goals and aspirations? What are you looking forward to? 
Um, I think it's very hard to pinpoint that, but I think my biggest goal is to keep striving towards being a better practicing Muslim. I think, like we discussed, every day is an opportunity to um, overcome many challenges for people in this generation, especially. I think our biggest challenge is ignoring the outside noise, which asks us to compromise on our religious beliefs and personal moral values. So I think that is somewhat a challenge for me too. To always find the balance in everything can be a bit hard, but as long as you're trying, you're improving. And incorporating little positive habits into your daily life can bring a monumental change in the long run. For example, um, in one hadith or the saying of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he said, uh, and if I may quote, uh, be mindful of your duty to Allah and do not neglect the smallest good that you can do, even if it should be no more than pouring water from your bucket into that of one who is thirsty or meeting your brother with a smiling face. Do not let your robe trail below the ankles, for this is a sign of vanity which is displeasing to Allah. Should a person abuse you or taunt you with a failing from which you do not suffer, do not taunt him with the failing from which he does suffer. Forbear, and he will carry the burden of his guilt, and you will be rewarded for your forbearance, and speak not ill of anyone." End quote. So there are many things I would like to develop, but I think it goes back to the central theme of today's show, which is self-reflection and how important it is for ourselves and who we fundamentally are as a person. The um, unexamined life is not worth living, said the Greek philosopher Socrates. Um, you know, in one study, which was self-regulated learning, the interactive influence of metacognitive awareness and goal setting, if anybody wants to look that up, uh, students who scored higher on metacognitive awareness, so the ability to reflect on personal thoughts and feelings and attitudes and beliefs, they tended to make more effective decisions when it came to playing a computer game in which they had to diagnose and treat virtual patients in order to cure them. So the authors argued that this was because they could set more well-defined goals and make strategic actions. So by self-knowledge, psychologists often mean having an understanding of our feelings and our motivations and our thinking patterns and tendencies. So these give us a stable sense of self-worth and ultimately a secure grip on our motivations. So without self-reflection, we cannot have an internal measure of our worth, and I would like to keep uh, building on that. Amazing. Thank you so much, Tuba. That's You're welcome. really nice. Um, so as we wrap up today's discussion, we are reminded of the importance of self-reflection and setting goals for the future. Our guests have shared with us the value of taking time to reflect on our experiences and personal journeys and the role that self-awareness plays in setting meaningful goals for the future. We have talked about how they can help us to gain clarity about our values, priorities and aspirations, which in turn allows us to create more meaningful and fulfilling lives for ourselves. By taking time to reflect on our past experiences and current situations, we can identify areas of strength and weaknesses and learn from our mistakes and successes. Self-awareness helps us to set goals that are aligned with our values and vision for the future and enables us to take meaningful steps towards them. Setting goals also gives us a sense of direction and purpose and helps us to stay motivated and focused on what matters the most.
By regularly reflecting on our progress and adjusting our goals as needed, we can continuously grow and develop as individuals and make a positive impact in our personal and professional lives. There is a beautiful Islamic teaching, um, which is called Niyya, which encapsulates these ideas and emphasizes the importance of setting pure intentions to achieve success. In Islam, every action is considered to be based on the sincerity of a Muslim's intentions or niya, and this is prerequisite of any deed and therefore believed to be the foundation of success from that point onwards. By taking a thoughtful and intentional approach to our personal growth and development, we can move forward with clarity, purpose and with blessings and create a positive impact in our personal lives, in our communities and hopefully even the world at large. Thank you for joining us today and we encourage you to also take a moment for self-reflection and to set meaningful goals for your future. I've been your host, Khulu Tahir. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of Sisters on Air on the Voice of Islam Radio. Thank you once again to our guests, Sumra and Duba and our listeners. This program was produced by Shermeen Butt. Please join us again next time for more discussion on matters relating to women in religion and society. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be upon you.